0: You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars Podcast with Nefa Ahoy, a show that shares the stories of successful Africans
1: in business and how they did it. It's our story told our way to inspire our people. This podcast is sponsored by IDS Consultant Ghana Limited, a company
0: dedicated to supporting small and medium-sized enterprises with accounting and business advisory services at an affordable rate. Visit www.idsconsultantga.com
1: to learn more. And not just only rely on my skill, but I have to, you know, I have to focus. I have to, I have to try to be better every single day. And then that for me became like a repetition. I challenge myself every day. I write my to do list and I try to beat it in time. It became.
0: Hi there and welcome to the maiden edition of the 2021 podcast for Africa's Business Rockstar. My name is Nathan, I'm going to be your host, but what better way to kick off 2021 than with a rockstar who's a force to reckon with in the culinary industry. He's worked in multiple Michelin star restaurants and most recently was a finalist in the world acclaimed Top Chef show. His name is Eric Japong and he says, Let food be thy medicine. Hello, Eric, and welcome to Africa's Business Rockstar. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: well, Nifa. How are you?
0: I'm good. You changed it. You said you were tired and happy. Why are you tired? I'm
1: very tired and happy, yes. <laughs> Why am I tired? It's been a lot of bouncing around, a lot of projects to manage and juggle and family man, husband, and all this stuff. It's a it's a lot. But I'm very grateful for it, you know, yeah. and 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 happy for it. So um it makes me tired, but it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How How's um, 2021 started? Six days in.
1: Six days in, yeah. Picking up from 2020, it's been, wow, the year. I, I think I can speak for everybody how crazy it was. Yep, absolutely. Um, so just kind of... Um, carrying the momentum from you know everything that's good and 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 that's happened last year, um, yeah. so we're on a good start for real. I'm excited. Fantastic, yeah. good
0: start of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been following, and I just want our viewers to understand who it is that we are speaking with. Sure. So let's get a bit of a background. You know, growing up as a young boy, did you always know that you would be the chef?
1: I had it in me. Yeah. I think very young. I was always watching like children's shows, like cartoons, and then like cooking shows right after that one. So I I was always very interested at a young age, maybe six or seven, that I knew that I was fascinated by the culinary world by cooking. And then also I would watch my mom and my aunts and uncles cook. And and I was always attracted to how their food always brought the family together at the table. So I thought it was like almost a superpower that they had. Right. (laughs) Um, So it was very, very interesting for me. And you know, I, I locked in very early. And yeah, I loved it.
0: Why that feel? You know, not to be stereotypical, but yeah. you know, you have guys and then the path gets supposed to chart. Of you know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, in the course. world we live in. Of course, I know. Exactly. So diverting into this aspect, mm-hmm. um, was that kind of weird for people to accept or not?
1: I say yes. I think my mom, I had the support of my parents and my family at a very young age because they always knew I was interested, but outside the nuclear family and friends and mm-hmm. everything else, it was a difficult explanation as to why i wanted to go into the field and
0: so i want to touch on the fact that you said having to explain to outside your nuclear sure, family sure, yeah. so where did you grow up
1: so i grew up in the bronx new york i was born and raised in new york i moved to ghana a uh, very young age i'm mm-hmm. quite quite young um, from two to four and returned back to the states and you know it fell in love really with the food and the cuisine and and and, and cooking the whole aspect of like putting fire and flame to food and making something out of it and, and yeah. make a profession i thought it was just very cool so i was always locked in at, a, at a quite a young age and yeah it was difficult i think telling my friends and you know people outside of the, the nuclear family about you know my aspirations especially you know at the secondary school here you know you Mm -hmm. go to uni and you try to figure out what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life and at that point that pivot point i was like you know what this is something i think i'll be very good at and just wanted to continue just to practice and hone my craft and now I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know,
0: right now we're having a conversation. Yeah. So this decision, like you said, at this pivotal point, was mm-hmm. this in university or was this secondary school?
1: Secondary school. Yeah. Right around the, the tail end of secondary school, you know, you have the conversation with your counselors and mm. what is it you want to do and, you know, where's your, your goals and all this stuff. So mm. I knew in the past I was very interested in this. So, okay. you know, just understanding the career path and the things that could happen if I do choose this profession. I was interested at a very young age and I, I bought in very, very early. Yeah. And And I'm I'm happy I did, you know, to lock in and to practice and own my craft and and keep doing it from from a very young age. I think I really started working in. Professional kitchens, sixteen for quite a long time now, almost half of my life. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so did this um, influence the sort like the courses you studied in school and all?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So I went to Johnson Wales University in, in the states, and okay. it, to me, I would say is the best culinary school in the world. It was uh, one of those things where when you know better, you do better, mm. and it's not just the the cooking aspect and learning how to put you know a meal together, but mm. what does that meal do for your body? What does that meal do for a community? And so forth and so on. So it's almost like a rabbit hole of more knowledge and information. The more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And, you know, I I finished with a culinary arts and culinary nutrition degree. And then um, I moved to London, University of Westminster, and I continued my education in international public health and nutrition. So just, again, more learning and understanding what food is not just on the plate, but really for the region and the world and yeah. my community specifically. Yeah. yeah,
0: What's the one thing you'd say that probably um, stuck out to you or that struck you like, oh, I didn't know this had I not charted this course or been sure, in this yeah. educational field?
1: That's a good question. I think it was probably the I talk about this quite often, the slave trade from starting from West Africa mm-hmm. and kind of making this way that migration from the Caribbean and then the American South, mm-hmm. just the food that we all eat is very, very similar. Brazilians eat the same thing just about as West Africa's Ghanaians. We, okay. we all eat yam, we all eat plantains, groundnuts, palm, palm oil. Like we all use the same ingredients because, right. you know, we talk about like- if you know something from one country, you mm-hmm. bring it to another, you're going to mm-hmm. cook the same mm-hmm. thing and you're just going to use the same products around you. So it's fascinating to me, really. One thing I didn't know before, really, is just how close we are, especially in food to different places around the world.
0: Right. Would you say your West African um, background has had like a major impact in terms of the ingredients and stuff you use for your food?
1: Oh, absolutely. For okay. sure. It's the first ingredients that I kind of you know, was you know, introduced to right. really. Yeah. Right. So um, cassava and, and again, using ground nuts and. I mean, I grew up eating kenke and Banku and jalof and watch it like these are the things that were very you know, traditional to mm. my folks, my parents, mm. and maybe not so to my American friends mm. or, you know, anything like that. So I think I grew up with a very unique kind of uh, viewpoint, especially in America yeah. here in Ghana is just, you know, we watch every day. Right. Yeah. But in, in America, it's like, oh, what is this one? So yeah. I had a very, very interesting kind of understanding. But. I learned so much more when I was actually, you know, investing in my school and my, my studies and everything else and learning about more ingredients yeah. and more food, kind of really just bringing the, everything together at one yeah.
0: time. Yeah. So you sort of knew from the get-go, I think you mentioned at about six, mm-hmm. age six, yeah. that okay, you liked, you know, what you were seeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess it sort of prepared your future self for I what think. you'd be getting into. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, secondary school, mm-hmm. um, you have to tell your parents, this is the course I want to sure, do. Sure, yeah. It's a cooking course. And <laughs> it's your money. Yeah. You're going to pay my fees. <laughs> um, I'm a nice, tall gentleman, you know. Uh, I can use, you know, I can do, I can other, do so many things. But this is where I want to go. Uh-huh. How did your folks take it?
1: I think it was easier for me to explain this to my parents, you know, my mom and my stepfather. But... It wasn't as easy to, I mean, I didn't go for the approval of anybody else, really. But to explain, like, yeah, this is the course of action. Mm. and the course, I want to take. I always, I got stairs and I got, oh, why? And, Mm. you know, all these questions as to, you know, you can do so many other things. But nothing really spoke to me the way that food did, you know? And and it was just, I don't know. It's inside you. It's inside you. And it really does. It's going to come out somehow. And I think that was just for, for me. I also knew that I wanted to take this and do, like, great things with it as well you okay. know not just be a cook or be it you know whatever like and there's no offense to that but i wanted to really like break ground and okay. what, what I was doing and unfortunately I didn't see a lot of people looking like me as well as you know being a chef as of well course. so I wanted to to really like you know if I'm going to do it I have to do it as well as I can
0: of course yeah. so your parents have been supportive from the get go
1: oh for sure for yeah. sure for sure very much so yeah. yeah 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 they
0: must be proud now
1: oh they have to be <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah no it was great to see I've, I've opened a few restaurants and You know, to invite my mom and and my sisters there to see them there. I know they're very proud, but it's a very proud moment for me as well, just to kind of, you know, show them, say thank you and all the support that they've given me throughout my career. And uh, they've seen me, man, in every situation, upset, you know, angry, quit, almost quitting like so many times. And they've encouraged me so many so many more times so it's it's always a thank you for me to you know bring them in and, and feed them and, yeah. and really give them a great time yeah yeah
0: all right so let's backtrack a little bit so you've gotten their <laughs> approval uh-huh. you go to um, secondary school and then take this course mm-hmm. is it everything you had dreamed of where you were like oh my goodness what uh-huh. am i getting myself into
1: yeah it was everything I dreamed. Of. I think I wasn't prepared for the hours and the like how long the, the hours are. It's not it's not a average uh, nine to five, eight to four type of okay. job, you know. So you, you get in at 12, you leave around one or two a.m. Oh, and wow. that's just the way it is. Like we're. You know, when people are coming off of work and they want to relax and they want to have a good time and they, you know, they think about the nightlife and the restaurants, this is kind of where we shine. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we we have to almost work around that. So it took me some time to just get prepared and kind of mentally Prepare myself for like the shift. Yeah. I mean, it's occupational hazard as well. Like everybody's, every job, there's something that, you know, you kind of like and you yeah. don't like and stuff like that. Yeah. So it is what it is and it's a part of the job. But yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, I mean, reading about you, we see the success, you know, we see the glorious stuff, mm-hmm. um, the five star restaurants you've, you know, you've cooked in all. But I'm sure it didn't just start like that.
1: Never. Yeah. <laughs> Never. What
0: was the beginning like?
1: The beginning was gritty, humbling. I finished uni, I remember, especially just being young, 22, 23, and I thought I was ready to own my own restaurant Mm. and, you know, be the, the, the star and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I worked in New York City and it humbled me very, very quickly. There's people who are just as good, if not better, you know, who are very quiet and focused and humbled. And I think that right there encouraged me to be more like that. So it was a transition, you yeah. know, it was, um, I came in very braggadocious thinking that, I, I mean, I was good, yeah. but I, I came in thinking I was maybe even more than I was at the time. And right. again, working in New York, it will, it, will, it will let you know who you are very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> very quickly. So yeah. I think there for me, was a great kind of moment to say, all right, I can not just only rely on my skill, but I have to, you know, I have to focus. I have to I have to try to be better every right. single day. Right. And then that for me became like a repetition. I challenge myself every day. I write my to do list and mm. I try to beat it in time. It became very uh formulaic for me at that point. So, you know, when you keep doing something over and over and over again, yeah. The point for me is to try to get better. Right. You know, and right. yeah, um, right. that's that's how I felt like I've been improving yeah. through the years. Yeah.
0: What's the first place you worked in?
1: <laughs> the restaurant, my first ever job. Yes. My first ever job was at a, a donut store, okay. um, Dunkin' Donuts.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> are you doing?
1: I was uh, serving donuts. I was in a. Uh, you weren't
0: making the donuts. I wasn't
1: making the donuts. Oh. I was serving them. My first restaurant job, though, yeah. was Nixon Broadway in Providence, Rhode Island, right next to Johnson and Wales University. And okay. I always credit my first chef, Derek Wagner, who you know took me into his restaurant as a student yeah. and showed me so much as far as like how to set my station up, how to prepare for the evening, how to like get my mind focused, all these little things that still to this day, as, you know, as I've been cooking for all how long, I still think back to you know him as my first kind of chef, my mentor. So he was brilliant for me and someone that I still to this day will call on and and reach out to. So, yeah, he was the first chef I worked for. And then I moved to moved back to uh, New York after school. And I worked in two different Michelin star restaurants. Mm -hmm. For those who are not familiar, Michelin is um, a world's rated caliber type of uh, achievement. And there's three stars that they give. Three is the highest stars. Okay. Um, so I worked in two different one star restaurants, which showed me even more about quality and right. professionalism. And you know, if the food is not right, you don't send it out. And right. All these right. things that it was just like, it has to be a standard. That right there really set me apart, I feel like. And yeah, I've been, been able to kind of just build off of that right now.
0: I'm trying to link them. So how yeah. are you getting these jobs from your first restaurant yeah. job? to who you look to as your mm-hmm. first official boss. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. He gave you the employment. How sure. did you get that opportunity with him? Yeah. Was he in your school? Correct.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So he actually went to Johnson & Wales as well. Okay. And then it was almost an externship um, okay. that you have to take at school. So he, you know, allowed me to work there. I worked there for free, but it was for credit, for school credit. Okay. And then after after that time had passed, he hired me. And I worked at the restaurant for almost two years and it was awesome. Again, I, I, I started from the prep, prep mm. you know, prepping the food. And then when I finished, I was cooking. I was mm. on the line and, and making food. And I was, you know, a, a pivotal part of the team. So it's all about progression at that point. When I moved to New York, when I was finished school, I just applied. applied yeah. to the best restaurants I can get my hands on. Okay. And, and, and you, know, you just landed them just and like I that? I just landed them. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Lucky. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I have one of the craziest stories in how I moved to England it's a very long story. But
0: oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We're here for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: So even when I was in uni, the guy that I looked at is his right. top chef and, right. and everything, his name is Brian Voltaggio, brilliant, brilliant mind as far as food. And he had an opening in his restaurant and it was in Maryland. Okay. on um, the state of Maryland. And I was in New York and I heard about it and I I you know found my way to get to Maryland at the time. It was about three, four other people coming from California and all across the the Mm. U.S. for this one job to work for this man. (laughs) And if those who are not familiar, it's not just a regular interview when you're in a kitchen. It's called a stodge. You have to actually cook. You have to show your skill, see if you like them, see if they like you. Do
0: they give you the menu or you have to improvise?
1: They'll give you the menu, correct. And you just have to work the day, work the menu and, you know, just see how you fit and adapt. So normally uh, stodges are one day one day work but with brian he is two days uh so it was a, it was a very like intensive interview process so to speak but i was lucky because i got offered the job the first day oh wow yeah yeah wow. above all everyone why wow. what did you cook i just i just focused it was really you know they, they liked the way it, it's about being efficient it's about not wasting movement it's about being focused and i think i did you know well enough to 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 to, to see their attention um but the crazy part about it is, even though I was offered the job, I denied it. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I, I moved rather to England to get my uh, my masters. But what's crazy crazy because um Brian, he called me and offered me the job and and when I told him that I said that I was going to go to England and study, he gave me his blessing and then maybe th- six years later, I'm competing against him in top chef. <laughs> Like, my mentor and everything, and now we're going against each other. And now, yeah. to me, it was still, yeah. to this day, is like, so crazy. And now I call him a friend and right. all these things. So it was very, very cool for me. And, again, just a kind of testament of hard work. You know, you never really know who you'll see or see again right. in a few years. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Eric, you did make mention of how you were inspired as a child. And one of the inspirations was the fact that not everybody looked like you. Mm. So, obviously, you're a Black individual. You know, we know that this industry is tough. Mm-hmm. You have to be successful you need to be driven you know to actually succeed in this industry so what have the challenges been yeah. firstly getting accepted for who you are physically you look you're a black gentleman who is in this industry not in your home country Ghana. Sure, sure, sure. yes yeah. so there are loads of people who have already been there uh-huh. don't look like you nothing of the sort sure. how challenging was it to get accepted
1: uh it's very challenging i think for anybody representation matters so you have to see somebody Either in a, a higher position or you know a, a position that's uh, you you wish to attain mm. um, to help you even visualize what it takes to get there. I didn't have any blueprint mm. to be honest, you know, or mentors anything like that. So for me, it was just trying to be the best version of myself mm. and understanding that there's going to be barriers regardless. So I didn't want to lean too much on that though. Understanding that this can be times where things would be extremely unfair or yeah. things would be just incorrect period. So it's a double edged sword because I think it helps me in a way as well, because I stand out. But there's been times where I've been overlooked in kitchens and I'm wearing my shirt and it says chef and then people, you know, either the purveyors that they come in to look for the boss and talking to them and they walk right by me or anything like that. So stuff like that happens. It might be uh, more covert than overt, but it really is just a part of it is My experience as a black man doesn't change whether I'm in my chef coat or I'm walking on the street in America. So, I mean, I'm kind of just used to just the the overall kind of covering of just being black and the stigmas and all that stuff. I I keep it in the back of my mind. What's nice about being in Ghana is that you don't have to necessarily think about it as much, which is a relief mentally. (laughs) In school, there wasn't a lot of people that, you know, I, I know maybe three or four black men and women that did my degree and mm-hmm. my, you know, my course mm-hmm. and are doing very well for themselves now still in the industry. You know, it's, it's very, very rarefied air. So I don't take it lightly. Uh, I know that there comes a lot of responsibilities. Also, people looking at me now right. the way that I was looking at chefs when I was younger. So just setting the example, I think. And, and making sure that I'm I'm doing the best that I can, not only to represent myself, my family, but then also Ghana and 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 where I come from in New York and, and everything like that. So it's difficult, but it is also I mean nothing worth having in life isn't supposed to be. Course, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't come easy, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if this is my the path of resistance that I have to go through, then so be it. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So let's talk about being a chef. The so mm-hmm. chef. Sure. Most times when we hear it mm-hmm. back home. It's like, oh, he's a gentleman who cooks. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, of
1: course.
0: <laughs> is that all it takes?
1: You know? No, <laughs> okay. no, no. There's a lot. There's I mean, there's there's a craft. The, the, being a chef is a craft. Um, being a cook is a craft. There's proper ways to do things and improper ways to do things. Mm. If you know, if I actually to shallow fry versus deep fry, I'm gonna look for different results. If I'm looking for a saute versus sear, I'm looking for different results. Mm. So you have to know specifically what it is that you're you know you're cooking, how to cook it, the temperatures the timing, you know, and then you also managing people as well. You're you're kind of the working in the kitchen is kind of like a a military brigade, you know. So there's a, a captain and there's other people that fall in line underneath right. that person. So you have to kind of work your way up, understand every station, understand every role until you become someone who's comfortable managing all of it you know and at that point you become the chef of whichever space that you're in it's a very loose term Mm -hmm. you know i mean Mm -hmm. because every there's not it's not like a phd or Mm -hmm. md where you have to actually go through you know this certification and all this stuff so it's very easy for anybody to say uh, they're a chef correct yeah Yeah. but i mean um there's so much technicality and there's so much uh, knowledge and and practice and the craft that you have to do To even become comfortable saying that, you know, um, especially in the states or in in Europe or China or anywhere else, so um, it's a profession that I take extremely serious and one that I love so much. But it's it's, you're right; it's a a term that's very loosely used. Yeah, and I mean, but I think once you can feel comfortable in your craft and then right there you can start to make your way into saying that I'm a chef and then managing people and all that stuff yeah. so yeah
0: alright let's now talk about one of the I would like to call it one of the biggest stepping stones for you maybe it's not <laughs> we're <laughs> going into the Top Chef space oh you know? for sure so, yeah, yeah, yeah we know yeah. you participated in that mm-hmm. and then you actually came on it a second yeah. time as well so give us the story how did you firstly get into Top
1: Chef oh boy so for me in uni I would watch Top Chef religiously every week okay. I was just so fascinated by the skill and the personalities and, you know, this is the best cooks in America and mm-hmm. the world. And and they're they're feeding some of the best palates in the world, the mm-hmm. best chefs in the world. And I just thought, you know, it was so brave for these people to showcase their skill in, in front of everybody. So I was fascinated quite early. I remember my very first date that I had with mm-hmm. my my now wife. Um, I told her about Top Chef and how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were dating and you know, years passed and they were doing their casting for uh, season 15. I was on season 16. Okay. And they came to all the major cities in the U.S., so New York, right. Houston, right. D.C., and I cooked for them in D.C. The reason how is my wife, she applied for me behind my back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they, they called my information and I cooked for them. And uh, me, I was, I was expecting to hear back maybe a month, two months. They called me back the next day. Oh. And they said, we love the food that you made and we love your personality and story. Let's yeah. talk more.
0: You know, I have to ask what you cook. Right? Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course, of course. I
1: did. A, um, I made a, a like a bisque, a soup uh, with corn and curry and salmon and, and mussels and okay. almost like a seafood. And it was just very bright and colorful. And it's a dish that I started working on personally after okay. school, just wanted to kind of, you know, get my own signature right. dish together. And I've right. been working on it forever. Mm. So I was like, you know, if I'm going to do something, let me do this one. Right. And they were very, very impressed, apparently. So, yeah, they they called me back within the next day. It was so crazy about it. Again, I was I did season 16. Mm-hmm. This was casting for season 15. Right. When the first day of filming for the actual show happened, it was on my wedding day. Oh. May 21st. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they told me everything. And this is like, you know, the biggest opportunity. I've, t- I've been watching the show for years. And this is, I'm, I'm thinking that this opportunity will never come again. Yeah. I, I'll be honest, I was at the altar with this in the back of my, (laughs) I was like, this is probably, they're, they're, they're competing right now as I'm, you know, both things were very, very joyous. I mean, I got married, I have, you know, but I couldn't change the date and they asked me to, I was like, I can't, people are coming from everywhere. Yeah. So we kept in contact. The story got better, though. The story, I I really thought it was over, but the story got better. I actually started working in D.C. I ended up working with another chef that was on the uh, on the show as well um, as his executive sous chef at a restaurant in D.C. And they reached out again the year after. And. Lucky for me, I already did all the, you yeah. know, the interviewing yeah. and the food and yeah. all that. So they know me, they know yeah. my skill. And then, you know, again, t- during that year, I did a lot as well. Yeah. So they called me again and say, hey, we're casting and we'd love to have you there. And uh, they flew me to Kentucky and mm-hmm. I started competing. What yeah. was it
0: like day one on set?
1: Very, very scary. You, It's almost like a camp where you see other chefs, there's 15 of us. So I see other 14 chefs and some guys are just taller than... I'm tall. Some people <laughs> yeah. are taller than me, bigger than me, like and you see some of the women that look at the tattoo I'm like this is I don't know what I got myself <laughs> into real. yeah this is real <laughs> and you see the judges there and it's 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 so nerve-wracking but yeah. after the first challenge it's like okay I didn't get eliminated yeah. so I can yeah. I can do this yeah. so I'm still here right yeah. <laughs> and I think for me the more and more I kept saying I didn't get eliminated I didn't get let, I'm doing something okay right. and then I realized right. I was at the end of the show like I finished all the way to the last episode <laughs> I kept even like 18 it was like 20 20 20 episodes or 20 challenges mm. maybe even challenge 17 or 18 I still did, wasn't realizing how far yeah. I've gotten yeah right yeah. I'm just in the zone yeah. and then I realized that there's 14 people that we st- or was 15 of us and now there's only three and I'm still <laughs> like oh my gosh yeah, I it. like the food so <laughs> I'm doing okay and you know it was it was a pleasant it was it was a lot of fun challenging um, we went everywhere in in the South Kentucky Tennessee. Uh, we went to china Macau, um, to cook and it was it was a beautiful experience and crazy enough when i finished maybe about two months later they called me back again to come back for they
0: must really love you yeah (laughs) apparently
1: um to come back for all stars you know and this is the what's now year 17 right they've done all stars twice you know and how many chefs 15 chefs every season they could call anybody you know and they reached out to me so i was very honored It's hard to say no, you know, when when you do that. So I did that. And then just even this year, they call me back again to be a judge now on the other side (laughs) of everything. So (laughs) it's been, yeah, my, I mean, it's so cool to be a part of the franchise and how my name is synonymous and everything like that.
0: What do you think makes them keep coming back?
1: I don't know. I think I'm doing something right somewhere. I don't know. I think I have a unique story. I hope I present well. And unfortunately, chefs have a very bad reputation of having like bad tempers and quick Mm -hmm. temper. So I try not to show that, um, you know, on television, you know, my daughter's watching. I want to make sure I have a good example for her and my family. So I I, I mean, number one, regardless of work or whatever, respect everybody. And that's just kind of the mentality I had. And it's easy to work with people like that. And Well, it seems like I've been able to do that very well and they enjoy that. So, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> in one of the episodes, you pitched a restaurant's idea. Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Oh, man, I remember that one. That was uh, for a restaurant concept that I still have in mind. You know, okay. COVID has been insane. Uh, yeah. But it, I, once everything hopefully settles down, I, I really hope to, to launch that. But yeah, it was really just uh, the restaurant concept was talking about that slave migration, you know, starting with food from West Africa mm-hmm. and, and those flavors mm-hmm. and spices and You know, maybe some of the Caribbean flavors and spices and again, kind of bridging the gap between everything. I really thought one I've never seen. I've been to a lot of restaurants. I've never had food that tell me a story in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I know there's an avenue for that. And, you know, the food that uh, we come from and we are known and we were used to is so good. It's so delicious. But the world doesn't know about it. I say it all the time. Africa is the second biggest continent in the world. Yet the food is so unknown. And it doesn't make much sense. You know, people know Chinese and people know European, yeah. and people know American and, and so forth and so on. But there's so much that started from Africa, especially from this region and the Western region. So, yeah. yeah, that's something that I would love to just, you know, explore and and, and really ev- elevate as well.
0: How do you come up with your, with the recipes? I mean, I know you have the, you know, the Ghanaian
1: yeah, yeah.
0: infused in there, but then you add other stuff. Sure.
1: The way I guess my mind works around coming up with something new it's almost like a big Venn diagram. Um, <laughs> it's weird because I remember it may not sound like it makes sense, but the artist Pharrell, Pharrell Williams, yeah. he, always, he says this sometimes and it, it makes sense to me. He says that he he can see the sounds that he's producing. He okay. sees it. Right. And I kind of can see what the dish for me would look like. Right. I, I know physically what I want it to look right. like. I know what I want it to taste like then for me, it's just kind of coloring the lines like what can I add to add this to the dish and how can I make it pair well with this flavors and stuff like that. So it's a big Venn diagram. I will put maybe like we can do it right now. It's an exercise. Give me any. Yeah. Apples, (laughs) uh, strawberries, whatever, like coffee. And, you know, I would say what goes well with coffee milk obviously right Mm -hmm. or what goes well with milk then you can kind of bridge it from there and kind of put those flavors together and if you do that long enough you have almost like a cohesive kind of plate or a timeline and there from there i can say i want to do maybe some steak that has a coffee rub or you know something like that and really just develop those flavors so it's a little bit of a a little bit of a formula but there's also just a lot of creativity i think yeah yeah Yeah.
0: we're saying we're going to talk about Pinch and Plates, yes. which is a concept you co-founded with your wife, yeah, Janelle. Yeah. So tell us about that.
1: I love the story. So my, we were dating boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> um, and for her, she has a boyfriend that is also a chef. So she just moved to New York for mm. her. She wanted to show she wanted to, you know, have a dinner with her friends and everything. Yeah. And she asked me to do it, of course. So we did the planning and everything out. And I remember I'm preparing the food in the kitchen Mm. and we just started dating. So, Mm. or maybe a few months in, and I remember finishing up and I turned the corner to look at the table that she prepared. And I'm like, wow, I knew you were good, but I didn't know it was going to be this nice. (laughs) And then at the same, almost at the exact same time, we had an idea that was like similar. We can, this is something that could be almost a business if we took it serious. And, you know, we, we had the dinner, everybody had, you know, enjoyed themselves. And that night we sat down and, we thought about, it, we talked about it, like, Hey, you know, if we were to maybe do a catering business where you can come in and do the ambiance mm-hmm. and the table settings mm-hmm. and provide the atmosphere mm-hmm. and then I obviously cook, like, I think this is something that could be very you know, good yeah. for us. So we built a website and we announced it and, and very soon the website crashed because a lot of people were trying to come <laughs> and we started getting recognized in like magazines, even before we started having maybe like five events under our belt and it just grew from like small events birthdays and to like milestone birthdays to weddings and stuff like that. So it's, it's very cool concept. The client reaches out to us, the Mm -hmm. host reaches out to us for whatever event they have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we completely cater everything, but we set up the decor and and everything else and we leave, we leave as if we were never there, Okay, Um, which is really (laughs) nice for people. They don't have to lift a finger, you know, they just are hosting, which is very, at that point you become very relaxed. You can talk to your guests a lot more. You're not worried about the food and everything else. So it's a very, very great uh, alternative for people who... It's not easy hosting an event. Yeah, yeah. 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 You get so you overwhelmed. Yeah, you can get <laughs> overwhelmed very quickly. So uh, seeing that this is something that I do quite often, it makes sense. We no, we're no longer doing pinch and plate. Just, that? Uh, we had a baby, which took a lot of time. and I <laughs> think Life, took over. Life <laughs> took over. But then also the COVID. COVID was just like, you know, we were coming to people's homes and doing things like that. And with the baby at home, it's just like, this is probably the best point at this. And it got, it got overwhelming. It was yeah. very like we were we are doing events quite often yeah. and, you know, um, it was just a lot. So that transitioned into so much for me, but, you know, I was supposed to open up a restaurant as yeah. well this year or last year, two in 2020 uh, called on the double. Right. And I announced the restaurant opening March 9th mm-hmm. and then March 15th. I think everything shut down yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. The world went, on, yeah, standby. The world went <laughs> on standby. So it was crazy because I was very excited to, you know, the whole year, even, even in 2019 planning for, you know, the, the restaurant and, you know all the months that that took for the preparation and the money that was spent behind yep. everything as well. Yep. It didn't happen, but I'm also very appreciative of kind of how everything kind of unfolded.
0: So you did mention how you've been blessed, thankfully. Um, so COVID didn't have any major impact on you, but like you said, you have friends whose restaurants were closed down, for so, instance. Yeah. yeah, I mean the world over, we we heard about it. Mm-hmm. So in instances like this, when your what gives you your daily bread is not available, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. What do you do? What do
0: you do with your life?
1: So. The virtual classes have been very, very good for me. Um, And they've turned into corporate classes where I'm doing Mm. stuff for... Google and Amazon hmm. and, and, and everything like that. So that's been a huge like blessing beyond what I thought when I initially started doing it. I have a cookbook working right now, keeping me busy. Okay. I'm consulting for other, you know, I'm here in Ghana consulting for a restaurant. I also have two uh, consultation projects back in the States as well. So, you know, businesses still opening and looking for the future past mm-hmm. COVID, you know, looking for help with their menu. Um, so I'm, I'm helping with that. And what else? Really still doing private events as well, not as many, but more coveted. You know, I have now for me the opportunity, or I guess the the option to select more, you mm-hmm. know which ones that I want to do. and mm-hmm. um, and I've been lucky to cook for some very, very influential people and and some great people as well. So, being selective with that and and traveling and cooking, you know, there's a yeah. lot of lot of that. So 2020 was still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though it wasn't the way I thought it would be. Yeah. um So you know, I'll just hope to continue that this year. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to ask another question. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you've been quite successful. Is this as a result of your feature on Top Chef? You think without Top Chef, you'd be where you are? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I think the skill will show through no matter what. I mean, Top Chef was, I got on Top Chef's radar, not because of what, you know, my wife applied, but I also did shows on Food Network and I've done, you know, I've I've been in magazines before Top Chef and and things like that. So people knew about me, but Top Chef was something that really, oh yeah, for sure. But it might've just taken a little bit longer, but I know where my skills are. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, where my mind is as far as the food. So I knew I wasn't worried about it happening. It just went.
0: Yeah. yeah. When you talk about what you do, your art, I can see the passion. I mean, when I ask you the top chef question, you're like, ah, of yeah.
1: course. <laughs>
0: you know, so what impact do you hope to have with this? I call it an art. Sure. Yeah. Know, yeah.
1: I want to be able to leave a mark. I think we all grow up eating the same foods, you know, and no offense to the tradition, but there's this in order to kind of push culture forward, there has to be some sort of innovation towards mm. it. And you can always even give uh, homage and call back to the tradition. So I like to take the food that we know and are very familiar eating and push it forward mm-hmm. and, and bring it to the table where, you know, it can stand with the Italian food, with the French food and not just the, the way it tastes, because it's I mean, it's pretty objective. The mm-hmm. food in Africa mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. West Africa tastes amazing, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not as presented as well or it's mm-hmm. not explained as well. And, you know, with the knowledge that I have, not only from my formal training, but also just being from, you know, Ghana, you know, yeah. my both my parents from Kumasi. And, you know, I'm the first person in my entire family born in the United States. Mm. So, like, I have it's if it wasn't just for the Atlantic Ocean, I feel like it was, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> the same, right. Yeah. My voice is maybe different. My accent is different, but it's the same, yeah. really. Um, So I grew up. Very, very similar to how most people here grew up, just yeah. in a different area. Yeah. So bringing those two things together, I, I have a very, I think, unique kind of viewpoint in the culinary space and, you know, collaborating with people and, and really just spreading the gospel of of good food from West Africa and, and, and West Africa's reach yeah. um, is, is what I want to do and, and what I champion myself on. So that's my legacy. That's what I want to do and be as great as I can yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Just right on the back of what you just said, yeah. uh, which of our West African, well, Ghanaian mm-hmm. recipes have you taken and sort of made your own and put on the international platform?
1: The first challenge on Top Chef, I gave the head judge shit <laughs> and what a risk. <laughs> what a risk, right? Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I added a little bit of honey to sweeten it up and okay. to, to blend well with the, I think it was a scallop, scallop dish that I made. And he was so, impressed by the flavor but he was like wow the, the heat is yeah, something i've never yeah, experienced yeah. so it it intrigued him immediately yeah. you know this is again he's tried all the food in the world he's yeah. never had this before yeah. so he's he's eating something for the first time so he's also being educated yeah. as he's you yeah. know is eating and that right there was you know something that i thought was really unique i've taken jollof rice and mm. made it into like a paella mm. like a west Af- mm. a west african version yeah. of a you know spanish dish yeah. Yeah. I. Taking sabolo and i've turned it into ice like sorbet ice cream okay so many things (laughs) just very creative yeah yeah yeah, it's a lot but you know this is what excites me you know just taking the food and taking things that we know as you know Tradition and how we were traditionally eating, and just kind of flipping it in on right, its head. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. All right. So on Africa's business rock stars, mm-hmm. we have what we call the rock stars quote. Yes. And it's basically your mantra. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I know you like to say, "Let food be thy medicine." For sure. Yes. Um, is that your mantra?
1: one of them yeah one of them i think um you you pay the farmer first before you pay the hospital and this is true like you have to eat you know you eat your you you eat your food and it becomes your nourishment so i really am that deep into food but i think ultimately my biggest quote is adversity is a terrible thing to waste you know last year again it was a very adverse year no one really knew what to do but you know when you kind of ground yourself and see the avenues through the chaos You can make things happen. You can do very well. So you just have to pause and believe in yourself and your skill. And, you know, I wasn't going to be shaken up, you know, as big as my plans were in January this year. This time this year, I was thinking I was opening up a restaurant. Right. And now I'm here, you know, doing one in Ghana. So, like, I I don't leave yourself Close to opportunity, say yes more than no. <laughs>
0: say yes more than no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Thank you so much, no Eric, for Thank being you. a guest on Africa's Business Rockstars. My name is Nafa and I've been your host. Don't forget to listen, follow our social media handles at Africa's Business Rockstars on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Stay tuned for our next episode.